Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to another edition of the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. Ryan Ray here at beautiful Colonial in Fort Worth as advertised. And if you aren't here, you are missing out. This event is packed with professionals all across the energy spectrum here, and I am sitting with the man who is responsible, I would say, for putting this together, um, John Ratcliffe, who's the managing member at Transglobal LLC, uh, Transglobal Services LLC. He's the committee chair for the YPE Big Brothers Big Sisters uh, Crawfish Bowl here at Colonial. It's good to have you on. Absolutely, Ron. Thank you uh, for having me. We're excited to be here. Well, it's been a warm day. It's cooled off, though. We got some crawfish, and we're going to talk about the event in, the, in a minute. But let's get into some Permian Basin talk. Um, we're seeing record lows in unemployment. We're seeing producers who are really excited about the second half of 2018. Pipeline companies are striking deals. It looks like a lot of good things are happening out in the Permian. Absolutely, yeah. A lot of activity in the Permian Basin. That's where we've been our most active. Uh, if anyone out there is listening that has a house for rent in Midland or Pecos, Texas, we're certainly in the market because uh, like Ron said, unemployment is way down. I read an article uh, just the other day in the Midland Reporter Telegram. It's at the same low that it was when oil was at $100 a barrel. So we're seeing increased activity across the board between the EMP groups, the pipeline companies. Then, of course, you've got all the service companies that are going out there to, to do that work. So it's an exciting time, but uh, it also creates some I would say uh, challenges challenges that we've seen before, um, but I don't know. I, they uh, they're definitely still challenges. So, well, it's a different industry now in the sense of you know we keep talking on the show about reports saying hey the, the jobs numbers are down. Well, that's true in the sense of how the government tracks jobs, but you know what I do isn't counted in the job for oil and gas. What you do probably isn't counted in the official government jobs for oil and gas. There's a ton of jobs out there. They're just not the traditional jobs that we saw three, four, five years ago. Yeah, I would say I would say that's right. You know what? Um, what we've kind of seen. I mean, it's definitely uh, more specialized. And I'll say this: you know, with all of the market drop that we've seen a couple of years past, it's definitely not like a, a the free for all that it was once before. I mean, you've got to have specialized folks in the field. I would say that the industry has definitely vetted uh, a lot of inexperience out, and especially in West Texas. And then, you know, rates were renegotiated during the downturn. So you've got to have guys that are specific to the exact thing that these companies need. I mean, we see a lot of RFPs that are very specific that have different scenarios that when guys are, are looking for work to be done, they say, okay, if we did this, and we, we called your guys out to do this type of project, uh, how much would that cost? And then all these different scenarios that kind of fall uh, within those windows, and you know they're definitely shopping this stuff, and, and there's, with that, if you can figure that, those things out, there's a lot of opportunity. But um, I will definitely say getting, getting that refined you know, is something that probably those companies are struggling with a little bit, and then also the service companies are struggling with also. Yeah, one of the things that I'm excited about is, you know, when we went to the downturn, we saw that producers dropped off drastically. Pipeline projects kind of kept on. 
then the pipeline projects kind of slowed down and now producers have picked up. And so even if you're a, you're a bear on the market and you're saying, hey, the prices are going to go back down, there's still a lot of work from a pipeline standpoint that just has to be done based upon the drilling from this year and last year. So we, we've got a lot left in the market where it's at right now, even if we saw another price crash. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I really enjoy about being in the midstream business. You know, the midstream business follows the oil and gas activity. So there is a lot of exciting opportunity within that. We've definitely seen during the downturn, if you were doing uh, some business with midstream companies, you could withstand that uh, because guys weren't permitting wells, but infrastructure had to catch up. Okay. Well, now we're ramping back up again. Here we go. And I was, another article in the Midland Reporter Telegram was talking about pipeline capacity and, um, and, and basically the, the, the lack of infrastructure for the Permian. So you know, you're seeing all these, these long haul projects that are being talked about. And that's something that is very exciting. And there's gonna be a lot of pipeline type projects coming up you know, a lot of construction, and then you've got the gathering piece with the additional wells right. being drilled too. And those those never make the headlines. You know, the, the gathering stuff's there all the time. Rarely do you see a headline. You'll see an epic pipeline. You'll see a Kinder Morgan strikes a deal with DCP to lay a long line. Uh, I think Apache's in the news for getting some uh, natural gas lines built. You'll see all that, but there's tons of natural gas work, uh, not natural gas, gathering work rather, that's there and being done. It doesn't hit the headlines though. That's correct. Yeah, uh, so those projects definitely aren't front page news. But there's a lot of them out there. And so I think that um, that's something that is certainly going to continue because you've got to, to hook up those wells. You know, we look at every, every well that's drilled, you're going to have pipe to get water there, take away water. You got to hook up the gas, you got to hook up the crude. And then you've got elect electrical infrastructure issues and you got to have access. And one of the things that's very interesting, as the Delaware Basin continues to push west, you're getting out in Culberson County. You know, I don't know how many of the folks listening to this have, have tried to drive around out there. There's not a whole lot of roads. So you're, um, there's going to be a lot of roads built. Uh, I was talking to a guy, and they were, they were uh, working on their AFEs for some of their production out that way. And they said, Hey, we, we've never seen line items on these AFEs as big as this for, for road right. cost. Right. Well, and, and it's going to be a good thing for the industry because the industry has been facing pressure right now saying, hey, you're tearing up the roads. Now, on this podcast, we've been critical of the state government saying, hey, you're taking money from oil and gas companies and these roads are being tore up. Give the money back to them. Let them go to the county level and fix the roads. But I think what we're going to see here in this case is that you will see the oil and gas companies come out and build roads that weren't there and say, hey, you know what, we want to take care of these roads and probably show the government how road building should be done when you put it in the private sector. You know, that's the interesting thing about the oil and gas business in general. I mean, we're talking about some of the most innovative and best ingenuity that's out there. Um, these guys definitely know how to, to build a road that will last. You, you look at some of these lease roads out there, they're, oh, they're yeah. highways. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, and they're made and they're made to carry heavy, only heavy trucks basically all day every day. That's correct. I mean, these guys, I think, think more big picture, and understand that uh, you know what's what's going to come with all the traffic that that they're going to experience, and they they build them the right way. I mean, like I said earlier, these guys are spending quite a bit of money on putting that that uh, access issue because. They know that they're going to be out there. 
they're going to build that first road for the one location, but they're going to have four or five more locations on the same lease that they're going to have to travel down that road over and over and over. Okay, let's, I want to talk about the big brothers and big sisters, but first let's go ahead and plug your company. Uh, where are you guys at? What do you guys do specializing in, and how can they contact you uh, on that regard? And then let's talk about big brothers and big sisters. Transglobal Services is our company. Uh, we do a lot of work, like we were talking about out in West Texas, more um, survey work, land work. So anything prior to construction as far as design, uh, a lot of infrastructure-related projects. We have got a Midland office. We have an Oklahoma City office. Our West Texas area is our, our busiest now. We're definitely seeing uh, an uptick in the Oklahoma City area. Uh, and then our headquarters is in Fort Worth, Texas. So anytime that I get an opportunity to be back in Fort Worth, especially an event like today at the, uh, at the Colonial I get really excited. Um, so, and do you have a website, an email? Where can people contact yeah, you? Yeah, so uh, website is transgloballlc.com. Um, we've got a lot of stuff that's out on LinkedIn, also Facebook, uh, and you know, as far as contact, we've got on our website. There's an information link that you can hit, and it sends an email, and it goes uh, to our business development people. Okay, so let's talk about Big Brothers, Big Sisters. We're here at the Colonial at the Fort Worth YPE event, Crawfish Bowl. A lot of people are here. Um, it's fun to come, but there is a really good reason behind this. Absolutely. So this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on as far as, you know, you had the Doug Conference a couple of days ago. Now we've got Colonial. We're rolling into that. And then, so this event came to me a couple of years ago. I got involved with Big Brothers Big Sisters uh, out in Midland. I'm, I'm a big brother. It's something that um, is tons, a ton of fun. I mean, you get to know these kids and you get uh, you get involved with them and you get to you know take a young person and and have some influence over them and try to get them to to think big picture. You know, think that school's important. Um, think that um, you know the opportunities after school. And then we also just get to hang out and have a good time. So Big Brothers Big Sisters is a great organization. Uh, the Crawfish Bowl, I specifically got involved with. This is my third year doing this event. Um, we've done it here at Colonial all three years. We've raised around $80,000 for this event, which we almost, I think last year we raised 45000 so we almost doubled up. and. Depending on how these raffles come out today, uh, we, we we may have doubled it up. So that's that's mainly because we're here, right? That's that's mainly the main absolutely. Reason. So <laughs> and that's that's the whole thing. This is oil and gas people that are supporting this event. I mean, this is Young Professionals and Energies Network that's that's building this this revenue for Big Brothers Big Sisters, and so Young Professionals and Energy Fort Worth actually got awarded Organization of the Year from Big Brothers Big Sisters. We accepted that award um, two weeks ago at their big event over at the Omni. So we're, we're super excited about it. It gives us a chance to uh, go out, raise some money. We've got some fantastic sponsors. I can tell you since I've been involved in this event, the same guys that I've asked for money always come back with money. And I think that part of the reason that's, that's also helped uh, you know us continue to raise more money from those guys is you know, the health of the industry, which is uh, it's kind of an exciting time for everybody. And this, 
this event itself, it raises a lot of money, but it's also an op a networking opportunity for a lot of the individuals and companies to get to know new people. So it's, uh, it's a pretty exciting time all around, and it's something that uh, I get excited to see folks having a good time and, and meeting new people and things of that nature. Well, speaking of exciting, the Miller Lite bottle blow up behind us is about to fall over, so we, we're getting... We're, we're getting some excitement, no doubt. Okay, so if is this is this y'all's big event of the year, or do you have other events? If people want to join, be a part of the YPE so in Fort Worth. So YPE Fort Worth, they have happy hours on a monthly basis. Okay, and so if you're a part of that network, you're going to get those emails. Um, this is, so we're looking at a golf tournament. Uh, don't have a date set yet, so more details to come. And also, uh, Every year they have a clay shoot. I don't have the date on that, but um, but there will be information coming out on that. I believe that this event is the one that raises the most money for Big Brothers Big Sisters. Um, so, but there's there's uh, monthly happy hours that are great ne networking events, especially for for folks in the oil business that are that are out in Fort Worth. And uh, so, if you can become a part of that that network which I believe you just go online and, and subscribe. Uh, I think it's YPE.org. Okay. Then, we'll, we'll get it and link to it in the yeah, show notes. absolutely. Everyone. Let's thank a few sponsors. I know we want to thank Hell's Half Acre Vodka, which is sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Um, I'm sure you have some other sponsors that you want to thank before we get off here. Absolutely. So um, we, our, our platinum sponsor this year is our same platinum sponsor that we had last year is a company called Traverse Exploration. Uh, the guys are very good friends of mine. They're out in Midland. They are working on taking leasehold and buying minerals all over the U.S. So if you have a chance to look those guys up, if you have producing properties, non-producing properties, leasehold interest, mineral interest, these are the guys to talk to. Uh, you know, had we, had a, we had a listener email in about Valverde. Asking if they would buy, if who would buy stuff in Valverde, that might be an opportunity. Absolutely, for them. call my buddy Nicholas Talent, JP Johnson. Those guys will make you a deal. Okay. Anyone else you want to thank or, or plug before we get you out of here today? Uh, I just want to thank the Big Brothers Big Sisters people. So as we've done more with them, and especially with this event, we have seen the success increase. There's some great people within that organization, and uh, couldn't be any more thankful as far as being able to work with a group of folks that are very passionate about their cause. So it kind of gives you that extra motivation to go out there and do something a little extra because you know how hard they work. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and it's a great event. It was an honor to be here. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you. Up next, we have Traverse Exploration, the platinum sponsor here at the event. First off, thank you guys so much for doing this, and what makes you sponsor this event? It all has to do with the cause, and uh, I've been tied in with uh, the YPE, Young Professionals of Energy, for a while. Uh, a real good friend of mine, John Ratliff, uh, is really involved in not only that organization, but he's also a big brother and on the board of Big Brothers Big Sisters. So when he reached out to us a couple years ago about sponsorship opportunities, uh, it really you know, kind of uh, clicked within us that, like, hey, this is not only for a good cause, but it's also put together by young people in our energy sector as well. So uh, every year we're happy to do this, and not only for the kids, but also for the development growth of everybody that um, that comes to enjoy it. And, you know, of course, 
it ends up for the benefit of uh, really good causes, essentially. Okay, so exploration, are y'all a drilling company? Are you uh, uh, buying a mineral company? Or what do you got, what's your position in the marketplace? No, so that's like, that's an interesting question because we, we picked the exploration uh, name to kind of sound more professional when we were beginning our new business. And then as we've uh, developed over the last couple of years, it has turned into an exploration role. Uh, we use a lot of geology and engineering uh, with some of our non-core assets, especially when it comes to evaluating working interests and participating. And then now this year we are actually looking, uh, we're about to file for our operating license, so it's, it's getting dangerous. We're, it's scary. We are about to be an exploration company, you're, legitimately. You're going all in, huh? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and there's a lot of optimism in the Permian, I know. Um, is that where your guys' main focus is? Are you looking at Eagleford and other assets too? Uh, it is definitely our main focus because uh, as far as our company's currently structured, we make the majority of our money by working in tier one areas of the Parmian, but then we kind of deploy that uh, net profit into conventional sources based off of structural uh, deals that could be in the Panhandle or Eastern Shelf or Fort Worth basis. So we're, we're, we're not married to any uh, certain area, but uh, the majority of our assets right now lie within the Delaware Basin, Midland Basin, uh, the Panhandle, and uh, the stack uh, up in Oklahoma. So there's a, I, I guess from our standpoint on the show, we've talked about in the Permian, there's a lot of opportunity, but there's also a lot of deals that we see come through that we're like, man, I don't know how they're gonna make money. It seems like right now deals would be tight um, and you have to be very selective. And we've also seen the big companies like ExxonMobil who can do all phases of the game roll in. How do you see that shaking out? Is there deals out there still be made or is it a really tight market right now? Uh, it's actually both. Uh, I, I get surprised as well by some of the acquisition prices that come out and some of the M&A numbers. So from like a publicly traded standpoint, you know, a company like Concho can go out there and acquire RSP and put like a, a crazy, you know, multi-billion dollar figure on it, just like Exxon did uh, with XTO and the Bass family. And, and that was one of the, like uh, the weirdest things that I saw was the fact that uh, legacy families that normally never sold assets were now selling. And but to kind of talk to the rest of the basin that uh, is either coming from an equity world or uh, an independent like ourselves. Uh, the competition's fierce, and sometimes I I see the numbers, and I'm like, man, they're not going to make money on that deal. But then, when you actually factor in like uh, reservoir analysis, the multi uh, bench potential uh, development over time, uh, regulatory rules that are always changing, uh, lease language that's uh, getting more and more landowner mineral owner friendly as far as spacing. So you're talking, you know six wells a section now you're like you, you could be at 160 acre spacing for a one mile horizontal at those uh economics and metrics based on commodity it, it makes sense that you can make money at those uh, ridiculous numbers you mentioned spacing one of the things we've had talked about on the show before is issues around sand and water now we know sand there's a big debate going on about moving more sand here to texas but some people were saying that 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 sand might not be good enough uh, the wisconsin sand is really where it's at and then on the water thing you're seeing New creative ways. Um, I talked to someone at Source Water the other day where you can go and buy water. We're seeing innovations in the industry that I think are really a result out of the downturn. People trying to figure out how do they do it. 
Um, so on the water and sand specifically, are those big concerns for the industry, or do you think they're actually probably further ahead in, in solving those issues than maybe we're being led to believe in the public? Definitely forward thinking. Uh, I don't consider it an issue. I can't speak to the sand too much, uh, but I do know that uh, NGP and like uh, uh, the Black Mountain Group are some pretty smart guys, and uh, you know they they got into the sand game early. So I'm assuming it's probably a good play. Uh, as far as water goes, we are uh, pretty big into that. Uh, we started uh, signing water agreements to supply, obviously, water for uh, you know frack jobs, and also what do you do with it when it's coming back? As far as disposal concerns, but the biggest thing that we noticed and why we got into it was we didn't. We're not targeting certain freshwater rights or whatnot. People are looking toward alternate water sources. Um, and a lot of operators uh, found out during the droughts in West Texas, they did not want to be responsible uh, you know, for draining a town's fresh water sources. So they are trying to get more creative uh, as far as treating uh, flowback and trying to refract with that or even you know, using high TDS content brackish water and, and treating that or fracking as is. And yeah, different producers kind of have a different tolerance for what they want to use when it comes to water, it seems like. But uh, the biggest liability as a, uh, a major operator is you do not want to be you know, uh, put out by name in like, the news as being the big bad oil and gas operator that drains some poor farmer or towns like a uh, water source so you definitely want to look outside of that to uh, to not only solve your problem but theirs and keep your completion results uh, similar to how you're doing it before okay so a couple things here we'll wrap it up um, I, I feel like we've, we've said on the show we thought coming into 20 thank you coming into 2018 we felt like the first half of the year was gonna be really good it feels like globally the market's tight OPEC's not very optimistic about US shell producers and their ability to keep up with global demand which is a good thing for us it means the price will go up there is a debate about how much US shale oil can be refined globally but we're not quite there yet um, so it feels like the second half of 2018 should be a good year which means if you're in the upstream business great but if you're in the midstream business that just carries on for even a longer period of time I think if you're one of those people who's kind of like hey is this thing going to be around for a while? I think it's safe to say at this point, 2018 and 2019 should be good years, depending on where you're at in the sector, uh, uh, in which stream you're in. Sure. And uh, I agree with you. I think uh, the second half of 2018 is uh, going to be as good or, or better than the first half. Man, being in Midland and uh, seeing oil be at like $26 a barrel, getting creeping back up to 75 WTI, I'm jumping up and down. I'd like to see 113 again. Uh, but there, there's so many parameters that control that outside of, uh, you know, uh, international issues, domestic disputes, uh, supply and demand. Uh, I, I have an optimistic outlook on the next couple years. Um, not to be a Debbie Downer, there, there's one concern that, that worries me uh, for the industry period. And it, it's not necessi like, necessarily like um, alternative energy or renewable. Um, the fact is, is that technology comes with this insane, like, um, hyperbolic upward curve. You know, so you think about the Nokia brick phone that you had back in the day to an iPhone 10 years later that has, like, more processing power than uh, the original computers. But the real, the real issue is, like, not even that. I believe renewable through technology will get there. I think that we're getting too good at our jobs. So look at what happened uh, whenever we started developing um, 
uh, horizontal fracking technology in the Barnett and what happened to gas. So gas was doing really well. We got too good of our jobs. We had way more supply than demand even when exporting it and gas hasn't budged more than 25 cents, 50 cents in the last 10 years. What if we get too good at oil? So a couple things there. Uh, those are all great, interesting points and there's a lot of people who, who definitely take the side. I think, so I'm not a um, overly optimistic person in the sense of it's just going to be a $100 a barrel forever. I do think what I've looked at, um, I think the biggest concern for U.S. shale producers should be the market saturation of our light sweet crude. You know, how much global distilleries can take that and how much will they retro retrofit and change to take that? That seems to be the big question. If you look at the, econo uh, the, uh, the economists globally, it seems that the, that the global demand for oil, barring global recession, is going to go up exponentially year after year. We do know that there will be a global re uh, check back that will kind of bring us back down to earth, so we have to work around that. As far as the EV things, though, um, in my experience, um, looking at, uh, I say my experience, I, I looked at a, a projection the other day and it said that if you look at how oil is used, I think 54% of that is used for um, like 18% for like marine and uh, planes and like 30-something percent big trucks and 20% was EVs. I mean, not, not EVs, uh, regular cars. So if you said that EVs took all 20%, which I don't think they are, that would be something to worry about, but I don't think they're going to cap 20%. I mean, Tesla can't make as many cars as they say they're going to make right now. No. Well, I mean, not only that, Uber's buying all of them anyway. But uh, to that effect, uh, you mentioned like uh, using oil in uh, traditional senses, but also uh, some things that people don't think about in the refining process of crude is all the byproduct, like the plastics and whatnot that come from it too. And the majority of it's byproduct, and those, the byproduct uh, export of the byproduct plastics, they're not going anywhere. So well, I mean, let's let's get you out of here. We've had listeners that emailed in. I think John was saying that you guys actually are actively looking for acreage. We've had people say, hey, if you're looking for acreage. Uh, we, we say we don't know where to go, but you guys might be interested in that. What might you be interested in? I, I don't want him to speak for you. I'll let you speak for yourself, and I'll let you get out of here. Uh, yeah, we like to uh, – we think for ourselves when it comes to acquisition. Of course, we're interested in every Tier 1 deal that someone would have to offer. But at the same time, we do our own research. So if you have something that people consider fringy or even conventional – We'll run our own economics, geology, and engineering, and uh, we're a player for that too. So we'll step out of the, the traditional basin where private equity and even publicly traded companies won't do. Oh, well, this was really fun. I really enjoyed this. We'd love to have you back on again and get deeper into some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. thank you for having And thanks for so much for sponsoring this event and uh, being a part of this. It's, a, it's an awesome job that you've done here today, so we really thank you for that. Hey, we look forward to doing it next year. Cheers. Thank you. Okay, up next we have Pierce Bush, who is the CEO of the Lone Star Division of Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Did I get it right? You got that right, right? Okay. It's well, very impressive. <laughs> well, you know, you can foul tip one every now and then. So, <laughs> so Pierce, first off, uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this group. Big Brothers, Big Sisters is a great organization. For anyone who might not know, though, let's kind of start there. What is Big Brothers, Big Sisters? Yeah, Big Brothers, Big Sisters is the nation's oldest um, outcomes-driven, one-to-one youth mentoring service. Um, we've been in the United States for uh, over 100 years. It was founded in New York City by a court clerk named Ernest Coulter, who realized a lot of young men were going into the justice system and they were all lacking a positive male role model in their life. So he organized a group of his friends, came together, said, we're gonna, we're gonna be there for these kids. We're gonna wrap our arms around these kids and we're gonna support them. And it started a movement 
which has been here in Texas now for over 90 years. Um, and I'm honored to be the, the steward of a mission that's really worthy. Um, and, you know, is fueled by the goodness of so many people, including so many leaders here, like Matt Thompson, who is a amazing big brother, um, an advocate for our mission and leads this awesome YPE uh, group that of, of oil and gas leaders here in Fort so Worth. So, I, yeah. I know we're talking offline that this is at a Fort Worth YPE event, but your group, Lone Star, covers a lot more. Where all do you guys cover at? Yep, it covers it covers about half the state. It's kind of it's kind of a random agency, but we found that we can do some uh, efficiencies by coming together. Uh, we we are greatly supported by a lot of people in the oil and gas industry. We have a big office in Houston as well. And you think about Fort Worth, you think about Houston, and oil and gas is such a big part of those uh, economies. And, you know, it's also a very generous group of people. I, we're, we're, uh, it's a group of people that doesn't mind taking risks and they want to be supportive of people and uh, lift people up behind them and make sure that all kids succeed and have an opportunity to succeed in life. That's what Big Brothers Big Sisters is about. And I think there's so much alignment with the oil and gas industry as well. Yeah, oil and gas industry gets a bad rap sometimes, but they're some of the most giving people I've ever been around. They really and, and are. It's I, amazing. You know, one of my first jobs when I was out in the field working, um, we had you know, like five spreads and someone got hurt on the other spread. We didn't know who he was. They passed the hat around or a hard hat, whatever it was. It was full of cash to help this guy that no one knew on a different spread, I remember going, wow, I mean, these people are really serious about helping each other. And you can see it trickling down at an event like this. Yeah, exactly. I am constantly amazed at the generosity, both from a corporate level, but but also just the individual level. People in this industry seem to care um, about making a difference. And it does get a bad rap, I think. I think it it drives so much good in the communities through the the wealth that is created. There's also a lot of risk. There's a lot of wealth that gets taken away. That's right. But there's a humbleness in the industry too. And I think that's part of why it's a a service-oriented group of people. Okay, so for an event like this, they're raising money. How does that money go to help Big Brothers, Big Sisters directly? Is that for bringing in resources or staff or what's going on there? So we, the reason an event like this is important is for, for a number of reasons. One, we are desperately in need of men to serve as volunteers in our program. If you look at our waiting list here in Fort Worth, you look at our waiting list in Houston, you look at our waiting list in Dallas, we have a lot of young boys whose guardians have raised their hand and said, my son could use a positive male influence. Energy industry, there's there's a lot of women in this industry, but it is a lot of men as well. So being in front of a group like this has enormous benefits because they see guys like Matt Thompson, see guys like Stephen Morgan down in Houston, and they say, you know what? I think if he does this, I can do it too. The money is important because we are um, the only youth mentoring organization that can show its outcomes in a way that's really compelling. In other words, if you invest $1,000 in Big Brothers Big Sisters, we will make sure we screen the right volunteers. We have a staff team. The bulk of our staff are what we call match support specialists. They will support the volunteer and the little. We call our our kids littles. and it costs us about $1,300 to create a match. And you compare that to the kids in the prevention we're aiming for. In Texas, it costs about $133,000 per year per kid in the juvenile justice system. So just think about it. It's an ounce of prevention is worth way more than a pound of cure. And it's a dignified way to create positive change. Yeah, our, our, our corporate office in Monroe partnered with the local uh, uh, big brother, big sisters, and, and went out there. And it, I was amazed at just how well structured and organized these these organizations are. I'm sure it takes a lot of time to figure out 
you know, the workflows and the systems and stuff like that. And so it, it takes money to, to just to do that kind of stuff, just to figure out, hey, what's working, what's not working, recruit volunteers, find the kids, go through the vetting process. So it's, it's one of these things where it sounds like, oh, it's just two people helping each other out, but it's a lot more involved than that. It is. And we really pride ourselves on matching the right volunteer with the right kid. Uh, you know, the, the secret of our success is that our program doesn't only change the kid's life. Anybody that's been a big will tell you that their life has been forever changed by it. And I believe there's so much dignity that comes from that. This is, this is life-changing human relationships. They're professionally supported, and they really can create huge amounts of change in our society and they're scalable yeah. I mean we are a scalable model all we need is more resources which events like this help us create and more volunteers to step up to the plate okay well thank you for your time I'm not keep you longer um, if people want to get involved in the Lone Star yeah. region what do they need to do they need to go to www.bbbstx.org and they need to just sign up to be a volunteer or they need to send us a check. Okay, great. <laughs> the, best way, the best way to do it. Well, we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes for the listeners. You can check it out. Um, Pierce, it was nice talking to you. Thanks so much. Okay, well, that is basically it for this episode. A few things left I want to mention. First off, um, Landon Morgan, I need to thank him. He is the man who hooked me up with this opportunity. Thank you so much, Landon. And was really instrumental in you know, being able to get my equipment in for this event. It was kind of a, a logistical problem, but he was able to persevere and get it done. Thank you so much, Landon. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other people that they would like to thank. Be sure to go check out the Fort Worth YPE, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Lone Star. Um, it was a great event. Thank you, John, and all the people there who had me. And thanks again to Hell's Half Acre Vodka for sponsoring this episode. Um, they were very generous to donate to um, some of their own bottles. And so if you're in the DFW area, be sure to check out Hell's Half Acre Vodka at your local specs. Um, we will be back with our normal show with me and Josh, I think, this week. And then we have a guest coming on next week or two like that. I know we got a, a few weeks of kind of a crazy schedule here. But Josh and I will be back regularly, I know, coming up on uh, this week's as I'm recording this. But next week's episode as you're listening to it. And uh, look forward to get back into the normal routine. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, leave a written review on iTunes. We are coming in. Uh, we're seeing the coming in, coming in, coming in. We're so thankful for those. Um, we, the drawing, I think, is the end of June. So be sure to get your written review in iTunes. Until next time, keep climbing.